Well, over the past number of weeks, we've been talking about the ascension of the Messiah, uh, the death, burial, uh, and resurrection, and ascension of the Messiah. Again, the ascension of the Messiah means that after he rose from the dead, 40 days later, he disappeared into the clouds. Uh, and uh, and what that means. The Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and we've been talking about a variety of meaning, what that means to us, that uh, Yeshua is our king, and how that relates to uh, to us. After he poured out the Ruach, the Spirit of God, we now uh, have this uh, uh, unity with the Messiah. Uh, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, uh, and we've been talking all about that, and I hope that uh, you uh, have been following along. So today we want to talk about another aspect uh, of, uh, of Yeshua sitting at the right hand of God, the right hand of the Father, and how that relates to us as Messiah followers, as people who have the, uh, the Ruach, who have this organic, dynamic uh, relationship with the Messiah. Remember, it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 in the New Covenant Scriptures that we are seated with him in heavenly places. So we are with him. He is with us. Again, we've been talking about a lot of different aspects of that. But today we want to talk about the power of God in that. What his power sitting at the right hand of the Father means to us as we live out our lives. And of course, you know, the concept of the uh, right hand of God uh, is a very interesting, seated at his right hand. There's a lot of places in the Bible that speak about the right hand of God, and I'm not going to take the time to read all of the passages, but it is a place of honor, a place of importance, a place of blessing, uh, and a place of power. Uh, speaking of uh, a place of power, we read, for example, in Exodus chapter 15, in verse 6, Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. In Psalm 20, in verse 7, we read, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. So we see clearly that being at the right hand of God is to be at the power of God. Then, of course, there's another very interesting passage. It's in uh, the Psalms, in Psalm 118. In verse uh, 13, we read these words. You pushed me violently so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation, my deliverance. The sound of joyful shouting and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. So in English, we have the word valiantly. Uh, but uh, really, it's Ose Chayil. The Lord uh, makes strong. 
<laughs> so we can say the right hand of the Lord makes strong or does strong things. I, I, and then it says, I will not die, but live and tell of the works of the Lord. So clearly we see that the right hand of the Lord is a place of strength. The right hand uh, of the Lord is a place of strength. Uh, and you know, it's kind of interesting. I've been doing some uh, studying on a course, an MSI course that I taught already last year, but I'm working on a little project uh, related to it, and that is the Hebrew word chesed. Uh, and so it's rather interesting that, you know, when we translate the word, no matter how we translate it, love, loyal love, steadfast love, loving kindness, uh, uh, however we uh, uh, translate the word, there's a challenge to us because it's a little abstract, whether we say, again, kindness or love or steadfast love. Uh, there's a question, so what does God do? What does he actually do to show the kindness, to show the loving kindness? Uh, and so it's rather interesting. I read an article not too long ago uh, about the semantic range of the word of the word uh, chesed. Uh, which is usually translated as loving kindness. And usually when we talk about the range of words that mean kindness or loving kindness, we're thinking about loyal love, steadfast love, kindness, and so on. But the reality is, is that there's a whole other kind of set of words that describe what God actually does. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. In Psalm 21, in verse 7, we read, For the king trusts in the Lord. And through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. What does that mean? How is it that a king trusts in the Lord? What is his loving kindness that, that he won't be shaken? Just that God is that God just loves the king and he won't be shaken? The thought of loving the king? Well, may I suggest that it's talking about strength. That loving kindness here equals strength. That the loyal love that God shows is his strength. We see it again in, uh, for example, in Psalm 59, uh, in verse 17. Uh, oh, my strength, I will sing praise to you, for God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. The loving kindness is the strength. The strength of God preserves and protects. Okay? In Psalm 109, help me, O Lord, my God, save me according to your loving kindness. And so in all these verses and in many, many, many other verses, uh, we could say that the loving kindness that God shows has to do with his power in some way and his strength of protecting or preserving, of saving. Even when we say, for example, God is abundant in, in chesed, abundant in loving kindness. He's abundant, yes, in his love. He's abundant in his power to forgive, his power to save, his power to protect. And so in a very interesting way, the loving kindness or the chesed of God, uh, part of the, the range of words that describe the chesed of God has to do with his strength and his power. His power, again, to protect and to save. Uh, and so uh, uh, clearly when we talk about Yeshua sitting at the right hand of the Father, he's demonstrating his loving kindness toward us in his strength uh, and power uh, that he exhibits 
uh, 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 toward us. And, and really, when we think about the power of God and the strength of God, I think of a passage like Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, uh, in verse 19, 20, and 21, and 22, we read, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the surpassing greatness of his power, right, toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Messiah when, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Uh, and so when Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, this prayer for the Ephesians, he wants them to be encouraged uh, to recognize that the power of God is working in Yeshua within us because he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so uh, we are strengthened uh, in him. But again, we can go back into the Tanakh, not only in the Psalms, to see how people understood the power of God. And David is, of course, the primary example. You know, you know the famous story of uh, David uh, and Goliath? You know, in David and Goliath, we really see the power of God, don't we? David had such confidence uh, in, uh, you know, in the, in the Lord. Uh, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, here, uh, beginning in verse 43. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, uh, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was uh, David, I might be intimidated by this. Because, I mean, this was a giant, this Philistine, uh, who had every conceivable weapon uh, in that day. And, of course, David did not. But here is David's response. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, uh, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Wow. <laughs> what a statement that David makes. Uh, he uses some very interesting phrases here. He talks about the Lord of hosts, uh, the, the Lord of warfare, the Lord of armies, or the Lord of warfare, that uh, God uh, fights Israel's battles. That's what he's saying. And then he uses another term, 
Uh, and it's it's very interesting. The Lord, uh, you'll notice it says, in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies. Okay? Adonai Tzivaot Elohei Merachot. It kind of rhymes uh, also. Uh, and that means like the Lord, he, like the Lord of warfare, but the God of the battle line. Literally, it's just about what it says. The God of the battle line uh, and the, the Lord of warfare. And so God will fight this battle and he will win. How could David say God will fight the battle when he's the one standing there? Because like we said last week, God was with him and he was with the Lord, right? God had uh, his back. God had his front. Uh, God was with him. God was his refuge. And, you know, uh, interestingly, we might ask ourselves, how is it that uh, David uh, uh, could say that? How is it uh, that David could uh, could say uh, with such confidence that God was his strength? Well, you know, I think it's kind of interesting if you go to Psalm 27. I think there's an answer. There's a hint uh, here. And it, and it really is, I think, very helpful to us. In Psalm 27, we read uh, these words, beginning in the first verse. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war uh, rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. And then he says this. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. So it's kind of interesting because he's saying that I will not fear. God is my strength. God is my deliverance. I, and, and then he says, but this is the one thing that I ask that I might dwell uh, in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate uh, in his temple. It doesn't seem to go together, you know, that, that God is my strength, God is my power, right? But he says, the one thing I've if I was David, maybe I'd say, the one thing I ask is for like a really sharp sword. Uh, or, or the one thing that I ask might be like a chariot, you know? Something like that. But that's not what David says. He says, but the one thing I ask is that I might dwell in your house all the days of my life. May I suggest that is where David found his confidence. Because David was close to God. Because David meditated on the Lord. David had a heart for God. That's where his strength came from. You see? Then it's interesting that the passage continues. He says, for in the day of trouble... He will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. Uh, and so 
David is confident. David believes. David understands that God will indeed uh, take care of him. Uh, why? Because uh, he knew the Lord uh, and he his desire was to be close to God. His primary asking of God was that he would dwell in his presence. Allow me to dwell in your presence, O God. And that's where his power was. And that's why he had the confidence to be able to defeat the enemies uh, and know that he was with the Lord and God was with him. So clearly, now that Yeshua uh, is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's poured out the Ruach and and we have now the, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, as I've said, we have this dynamic, organic relationship with him in where he is with us and we are with him. And now we have uh, exponentially, we might say, the power of God toward us. As we read a moment ago, what how Paul prays uh, for the Ephesians, that they might know the power of God uh, who resides in them. And certainly, uh, I think that's very uh, important for us that we might realize that. You know, there's another example in the Tanakh, in the book of Judges. Uh, you know, in uh, Judges chapter 6, verses 12 to 14, there we have uh, a Gideon, and Gideon is hiding, right? Uh, and the enemy is attacking. The Midianites, I believe it is, uh, are attacking. Uh, and the angel of the Lord appears to him. And the angel of the Lord uh, says uh, this. The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Valiant warrior, right? You've read this before. Uh, maybe you're reading it now during our uh, reading uh, journey from Genesis through 2 Kings. Maybe you have just, maybe it's fresh in your mind about Gideon. So Gideon is hiding and the Lord of, the, the, the angel of the Lord calls him a valiant warrior. And then Gideon says, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are his all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, uh, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? That's his strength, the power of God. God sent him. Uh, God is with him. He is with the Lord. That is his strength. But you see, Gideon needed to hear that. And we know when you read the story, it's very interesting. We know that, that uh, Gideon uh, asks for signs. Uh, Gideon does uh, show courage, but it takes a while. God understood the frailty of Gideon. God understood that Gideon did not really uh, understand who he was in the Lord, we might say. Gideon did not realize that God had sent him. And sometimes for us, we see ourselves uh, on the defensive. We see ourselves at the mercy of whatever's coming our way. And we don't realize that the power of God is with us. He has indeed sent us. What did Yeshua say? I am with you always even to the end of the age. And certainly we know that because he's seated at the right hand of the Father, we are now empowered to go 
and to be God's witnesses and to demonstrate his uh, character to this world uh, and to share the good news that your God reigns and to be able to have that kind of confidence. When people see that there is confidence and that there is power in our words uh, and in what we do because God has empowered us because uh, he is in us and we are in him, uh, that uh, it, it is amazing how how the Bible says we are more uh, than uh, uh, conquerors. And so in the book of Romans, don't we read that in uh, Romans chapter uh, 8? Uh, we read uh, uh, this these words. All right. What then shall we say to these things? This is in verse 31 of Romans 8. If God is for us, who is against us? When he says that, if God is for us, who's against us? It's obviously a rhetorical question. If God is for us, what difference does it make who's against us? Is really what he's saying. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Messiah Yeshua is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Messiah. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nothing, in other words, can get in the way of God's love for us and God's empowerment of us and God's protection of us and his strength. And he says, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Messiah Yeshua. Now, isn't it interesting he says the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. But didn't we read a few minutes ago about the chesed of God, meaning the strength of God, how his, how his loving kindness is manifested through strength and through power and protection? May I suggest that's what he means here, through strength, through power and protection. Uh, we are uh, enveloped. Uh, in the love of God, uh, and like the children of Israel in the wilderness, we will indeed uh, reach our destiny uh, no matter uh, what happens uh, uh, to us. Does this mean that we're on easy street? Does this mean that therefore God will automatically take me out of any bad situation? No. I would encourage you, if you have a concordance at home, to look up the word endure in the new covenant, in the English translation, endure, to endure, to withstand, to be patient, to live through things, to get through it, right? Endure, endurance, right? So it's a very interesting. Uh, there's a number of passages uh, in the new covenant that talk about this. One of them is in 2 Corinthians, uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is the most personal letter that Paul writes, really, and he shares his heart. So uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, he, says, uh, he says this. 
beginning in verse 4. In everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, and imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness. Sleeplessness. Have you ever experienced sleeplessness? Maybe worry at night? You know, things are always worse at night, aren't they? You know? Enduring these kinds of things is, is in the power of God. He may not take it all away, but we will endure and we will be victorious even through these things. In sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, uh, and so on. Uh, his point is, is that he endures all these things, right? Uh, we read where uh, uh, Paul encourages Timothy. He says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, endure hardship. Endure hardship. He doesn't say, just pray that it'll go away. Endure uh, hardship. Uh, in 1 Peter, uh, we read uh, in chapter 2, uh, these words. In, beginning in verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. If you read carefully, there are lots of verses about enduring, enduring tribulation, enduring troubles. Uh, and the point is, is you see, the power of God is in getting through this life. God does not take us out of this life, but we demonstrate the power of God by enduring difficulty. We may have all kinds of difficulties or enemies in our lives. Everything from health issues uh, to uh, failures, that we think about in our lives or problems just in life, problems in, in relationships or finances, whatever they may be. In the power of God, you will endure to the end and your quality of your life, uh, of who you are, uh, can, can be uh, joyful and victorious when our mind is set on things above, when we know that we are seated with him in heavenly places. Another way we could say that perhaps is that we are seated with him in powerful places because of our identity uh, in the Messiah. You know, another great place uh, is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in what sometimes uh, we call the love passage in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 in verse 7. What does love do? It bears all things. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You can do it. You can endure because you know the Lord. And when we know the Lord, the way we endure is having our eyes fixed on him. 
not fixed on the problem, deal with the problem, but fixed on him. In Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, in uh, chapter uh, 12, after the great chapter, what we, you know, about the faith chapter of all the people uh, who demonstrated great faith, uh, we read these words. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, the great cloud of witnesses are the people that endured <laughs> in, in the Tanakh that we read about. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Yeshua, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. No, you'll endure by focusing on Yeshua and recognizing his endurance. He has poured out the Ruach. We receive his power. He works in us. And you do not have to grow weary. You do not have to lose heart. But you can endure to the end. You can do it. And, you know, when you have your eyes fixed on him, it's like running a race. And I know a little bit about that, right, running a race, that when you see that finish line, suddenly you start to speed up. You start to speed up because the adrenaline is flowing, and there I've made it. And you know that when we have our eyes fixed on Yeshua, one thing that you know is that you uh, indeed uh, have made it. Uh, and so uh, in him... You uh, can be an overcomer. You can be an overcomer. God has shown you and me steadfast love, his chesed, his loving kindness. Uh, Yeshua is grace and truth, right? He is uh, the loving kindness of God. He is the power of God. He is uh, the strength uh, of the Lord uh, within us. And then finally, you know, there is a passage uh, in, well, first in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul is uh, encouraging uh, Timothy. Timothy is kind of down in the dumps at the beginning of 2 Timothy. And Paul is encouraging him. And he says, you know, remember who you are. You do not have a spirit of, uh, of fearfulness, a spirit of being afraid, a spirit of cowardice. But you have a spirit of power and of love and of right thinking. And we need to remember that. This all has to do with us seated with him in heavenly places at the right hand of the, power, of the Father, in the place of power. See? Uh, and so then finally, Paul prays a prayer uh, again in Ephesians, but another prayer. And this also includes power. Uh, and we want to uh, finish up today with this prayer. In uh, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 14, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the power through the Holy, through his spirit in the inner man. Let me stop there for a minute. He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. When it says according to the riches of his glory, is there an end to the riches of the glory of God? No, there is no end. It is like a, a bottomless, uh, a bottomless bowl, you know. And uh, so when he says, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power, endless power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, let's stop there again. Strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that you have the, the fortitude to endure. You know, in another place, he says, the outer man is decaying, but inwardly we're renewed every day. The power of God who lives within us causes us to endure no matter what the circumstances are, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what has happened, no matter uh, what we've done when we repent and return to the Lord. Remember what David said, this one thing I ask to dwell in your temple, to behold your beauty, to meditate on your word. And that's what we desire. When we are close to God, no matter where we are, no matter, no matter what, you can experience the power of God. And you know, uh, this reminds me, before we finish this prayer, Paul shared his secret of, of God's power. You know, the, the power is not in uh, doing uh, strengthening our biceps. Uh, the power is not uh, in knowledge. Okay? Uh, but the power is in the Lord. And, you know, we'll come back uh, to Ephesians uh, chapter 3 in a second. But I wanted to read uh, uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians again. In chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, we read here that Paul uh, had a weakness, right? He, uh, he had a thorn in his uh, flesh. Nobody knows what it was, I, uh, but it wasn't something good. It wasn't good because, you know, he refers to it as a messenger of Satan to torment, to torment him. So it wasn't good no matter what. And that's a meta. He's using, he's saying that as a metaphor, you know, that it was just something really negative. Uh, but this is what he says. He says uh, that he had this to keep him from exalting himself because he had this tremendous vision. God gave him a thorn in his flesh so that he would not exalt himself. Okay. So it says concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. He prayed that it might leave him. He prayed that, that this would go away, that he'd be healed, that the thorn would ta be taken out. Uh, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. In other words, endure. You will end. My power is perfected in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. My chesed is sufficient for you. The strength of my loving kindness is sufficient for you. You will endure, Paul. And in so enduring, 
my power will become evident, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Messiah may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties, for Messiah's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. God understands our weaknesses. He understands our vulnerabilities. He understands our frailties. He knows our personality traits. He knew Gideon. Gideon, who was hiding, is his old valiant warrior. He understood Gideon's frailty. And Gideon became a valiant uh, warrior. And so when he says, my grace is sufficient for you, power is perfected in weakness. Don't worry about your weaknesses. But inwardly recognize that the power of Messiah dwells in you, and he will demonstrate his power. It's not about you. It's about him. And so now going back to Ephesians uh, in uh, chapter 3, in this prayer, when we think about this, when he says, he prays that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. He says, because you're weak. But I pray that, that, that uh, you would be strengthened with the power of God so that Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the holy ones, all of the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and, the, and to know the love of Messiah which surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled up to all in the fullness of God. Then he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the congregation and in Messiah Yeshua to all generations forever and ever. And so perhaps, uh, you know, today uh, you're dealing with some enemies. Maybe it's the enemy of isolation or the enemy of, of not knowing the future, the enemy of, of just uh, being on a precarious perch, uh, uh, perhaps the enemy of insecurities, perhaps uh, physical uh, maladies, you know, uh, illnesses, uh, or emotional problems. Uh, you know, perhaps you're, you're feeling a sense of depression. The power of God within you will see you through it. You will be able to endure. Now, just in closing, how do you do that? Yes, by prayer. Yes, by prayer. You know, you read, we read in um, Ephesians chapter 6 about putting on the, uh, putting on the uh, armor of God. And I know that if Betty Smith is watching today, she and Bruce, Bruce every single day would pray the armor of God, you know, and, and uh, how encouraging is that? But you know what the armor of God really is? If you study that passage, we, we're out of time. We don't have time to look at it even. But if you study that passage carefully, you see that there are a number of quotes from the Tanakh uh, in the book of Isaiah. Uh, and really what you're putting on is the character of God. What you're putting on is the righteousness of God. You're putting on the truthfulness of God. You're putting on the peace of God. You're putting on the character of God, living out the character of God. Very, very important to understand.
And may I suggest that we do that, you know, and recognize uh, that uh, our power is in knowing the Lord and walking with him against all principalities and enemies or whatever it may be, okay? Uh, that you do not have to be on the defensive, but on the offensive. And remember that the sword is the power, is the word of God. And uh, truth uh, is indeed, uh, the truth of God is indeed uh, the uh, power of God. And I would also suggest how important it is to hear encouraging words from brothers and sisters in the Messiah. Encouraging words, as Paul encouraged Timothy. When Paul said to Timothy, remember who you are. You don't have a spirit of fearfulness, but of power and of love uh, and of sound mind. Uh, this was an encouragement that Paul gave to Timothy. We need to be giving words of encouragement to each other, to be standing with uh, one another, to speak God's blessing into each other's lives. Yes, we can indeed endure this. Why? Because we are seated with him at the right hand of the Father. I hope that that's an encouraging word for you because it really is for me. Well, why don't we take a moment and pray? Lord God, uh, thank you for this word this word of power. Lord, uh, our power is not in what we look like. Our power is not in our abilities. Our power is not in anything but knowing you. Lord, uh, by living in your power, you give us clarity. You help us make right choices. God, by living in uh, your uh, uh, power, uh, God, we know from last week, that you are with us and we are with you, Lord. Your power will sustain us. That's what your love is. The power of the death of Yeshua, the power of the resurrection, the power of the ascension. Thank you, Lord, that you've poured out your power via the Ruach into the inner man of us. And I pray, God, like Paul, that we would know that that we would know that that's true in our lives. God, thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your endurance and your power. Lord, thank you that we can stay above the fray. We can keep our head above the water. We can keep moving forward as we keep our eyes fixed on Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith, Lord. Uh, and may we be able, therefore, then to make a real difference in this world and in other people's lives. We thank you for your protection, your power, your kindness, your grace, your peace. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.